You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, producer of the show, and I am joined, as the announcer said, by uh, National Recruiting Director and the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. Guys, how are you doing today? Awesome. There it is. Yeah, there we go. That's a little I like the energy. <laughs> we're bringing it on a Monday. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to talk some NFL Combine and, and uh, among other things. So, Mike, I'll let you get started. I know you got some thoughts on, on the Combine so far. Might as well start with the running backs. I mean, the offensive linemen. Do you want to start by Dave Corning? Yeah, sure. Let's talk offensive linemen first. That was uh, There was definitely some big up and down ones there, and it looked... Uh, it looked like the uh, Orlando Brown had had a pretty bad day, huh? Yeah, and that was surprising to me in many ways because remember him as a high school kid. He was a fat kid and just wasn't very put together. Didn't have you know any conditioning about him, and that's why he was a three star. He had talent, but and bloodlines, but we couldn't do anything more than a three star for him because we just didn't know what type of body type he was going to be at the next level and then he sort of seemed to put himself together uh, obviously was a first team all big 12 I think he was a first team all-american in some people's books and I expected him to go to the combine and do okay I didn't think he'd be a combine freak but he ran a 585 which is really 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 bad um, you know so when you look at his numbers he had 14 bench press reps which is less than a lot of running backs and wide receivers uh, his yeah. vertical was less than you and me um just really bad showing and i think it's dropping them right out of round one yeah it's it's interesting because they talk about his length and that's going to be uh you know what intrigues teams and that you know on game day he's he's a a kid that has done really really well and that's going to intrigue nfl teams but just the way he ran it looked like he almost didn't even prepare for the combine that much 14 bench reps is hard to believe uh, for an offensive tackle of his size, I understand he has long arms, but God, so do some other people. Um, uh, so I, it, it looked like he didn't really even. I, my concern, if I'm an NFL GM, is how how serious did he take the combine, uh, and how serious did he train for it? Because he didn't look like he was in great shape. Um, if if you're gonna run a, you know, you run the forty to prepare for the combine. If you're gonna run in the five eights. Um, which is something like Rich Eisen does. He could run. He probably run faster. You just don't run it. You know. You just. You just don't do that on national television. So, I don't know how much thought he put into which ones he was going to do. Uh, it, it. It. It could plummet him. I still think he's a very good offensive tackle. But my question would not be exactly the numbers. It's the the preparation he put in for such a big event. Yeah, and I think uh, when you talk about guys that help themselves. I think Quentin Nelson, you know, obviously he didn't need to help himself. He's the number one offensive lineman on the board for most people, but he had a very good combine. Uh, Braden Smith, I think, helped himself as well. We knew he'd be a very good athlete. Remember him in high school? He was a freaky athletic kid. Um, you know, he's from the Midwest, so a lot of questions about 
uh, quality of competition and all that. But at Auburn, he was sort of up and down, but I thought he had a very good combine as well. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because what's the number you look at for offensive linemen? I mean, it's kind of difficult. I, I look at, honestly, I look at a lot at um, your vertical. And I know that sounds stupid because why would an offensive lineman need to jump? But it shows explosion. his lower body explosion, you know. And yep. so Connor Williams, I think, helped himself a little bit as well. He ran just over a five uh, flat in the forty. He, he led everybody in the uh, in the vertical, and you know, I, I think he might have pushed himself close to round one as well. So the offensive lineman group to me wasn't very. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't a great group overall. No. Um, so I don't think there's going to be too many guys that land in round one, but. You know, there's such a need for offensive linemen that you know there's going to be a couple reaches here and there. Uh, Will Hernandez doing 37 reps helped himself a little bit, but I'm not sure if he's a first-round talent. So I, I would say Quentin Nelson is the guy. Um, McGlinchey is interesting. I'm not really sure. You know, you talk about a long-arm guy who I didn't expect to do a lot in the bench, um, but I don't know. I, I think someone's going to reach on him late in the first round. Um, and some of these other guys, you know, we'll have to see if, if somebody falls in love with them based on their, their combine. But it was not an exciting group to watch, and it's usually not, but I thought it was less exciting this year. Yeah, we'll see how much the combine matters in terms of evaluations, uh, you know, because McGlinchey does have problems with speed to the outside, obviously. Quentin Nelson could be a top five, top ten pick. He's that good. Uh, Will Hernandez had a great combine, but like you said, is he a first-round talent or can he is he a combine kid? Colton Miller was impressive athletically, but that kid is not a first-round talent. And if any team takes him, they're probably uh, making a mistake. He's a huge kid, but you know, I mean, Josh Rosen had three concussions last year because of him uh, and the offensive line at UCLA. The kid who I think helped himself a little bit more and continues to climb up the charts is the James Daniels kid from Iowa. Uh, he was awesome in drills. Um, I would take an Iowa offensive lineman like a Wisconsin offensive lineman anytime I can get him. Um, but yeah, it was not a sexy group. It wasn't very, you know, it wasn't two, two big time offensive tackles going against each other and seeing who, which one was better. That first day was kind of boring. Um, and I was really excited other than the running backs. Um, the offensive line group really didn't throw me all that much. Yeah. So getting to the running back group, obviously there's one name that everybody's talking about, and that's Quan Barkley. So I'll let you talk about him since he's your man, bro. Yeah, it's interesting. Say uh, say, as they call him. Say-say. What I what I liked reading about him dur- at the combine was that he was asking really good and pertinent questions during his interviews. Um, he was asking uh, stuff like, "How do I leave a meeting room without offending the people in the room?" Uh, should I compete for the starting job from day one or all all those kinds of things? Um, how do I handle that? Uh, you know, really mature, interesting questions and that can push him. And then obviously he's going to test really well. He was awesome on the bench press. He bench pressed, I think more than only three offensive linemen. Um, uh, that's good because the team he's going to go to probably has a terrible offensive line. So he's going to be taking a lot of hits. Uh, but he ran really well. He, he interviewed really well. Everything that kind of was expected from him, he did and more. It will be interesting, though, if, you know, I, I put on Twitter, should Cleveland just take him at one? Just take him. The, the, then figure out your quarterback at four later because 
you know, the Giants, it doesn't seem like the Giants are going to take a quarterback. Uh, they keep talking about Eli Manning having many years left. I don't think that Josh Rosen is the type, you know, that, that's going to sit for three or four years behind Eli Manning. Uh, it, it looks now like Sam Darnold will be the number one quarterback, if not Josh Allen. I'm sure Sam Darnold not throwing hurt him this week, but won't hurt him after the pro day when he throws with his own receivers. So take Saquon Barkley at one, then the Giants, let the Giants and the Colts do whatever they're going to do. It looks like the Colts are going to take Chubb. So at worst case scenario, you have your second best quarterback on your board that you can get, and that could be Josh Allen, that could be uh, Josh Rosen, it could be Sam Darnold, it could be even Baker Mayfield if you want to take a shot at four. Uh, you could get any one of those guys. But the, the risk you run if you're Cleveland is if you take a quarterback first, the Giants gobble up Saquon Barkley at two, and then you lose out on him. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, but it looks if, if, I, was the, if I was the Cleveland Browns, I take Saquon Barkley number one. Rumor has it they're looking at taking Saquon Barkley at number one, you know, barring anybody trading up, and then hoping their quarterback is there at four, which is Baker Mayfield. That's the guy they want, apparently. At least that's the rumor. But um, the the big issue with that is someone could trade in at number three and steal your quarterback. You know, now again, I think all the quarterbacks, and we'll get to them, you know, because they were the next day. Uh, we'll finish up running back here. I think all the quarterbacks that are top-level quarterbacks did pretty well. Um, yeah. So I think you can, you can even if you miss out on your guy, uh, let's say someone trades up at number three and steals him, I think you could still get a guy that is very good. Or if you don't like him, trade down a little bit um, and get a quarterback later in the first round or in the second round because it's a pretty deep quarterback class based on what I saw. Compared to last year, last year was not very deep at all. Um, Running back, Naheem Hines really impressed me as well with a 4-3-8. I think he's going to be one of those, um, you know, sort of scat back guys. going to be utilized a lot in the passing game for whoever drafts him. Probably a third rounder. Might and if you, re if you read Rival Views second. last week, I mentioned him in, in, as, as a possible mover up, Mike. Nobody Impressed? reads that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody <laughs> reads that garbage. <laughs> the opinion of me and you, nobody reads. Um Possible mover up, though. That's real good English, too, for a journalist. He's a possible <laughs> mover up. Um, Kalen Balaj ran the third best time. He's going to be a late round pick, I think, it just because he doesn't have the body of work. And I don't know, really even know he knows what he's doing. But I think Rashad Penny is another guy that's going to go in the second or third round. He's a very good player. Darius Geis ran a 4 4 9. Then he ran a 4 6. Uh, so that's a pretty good discrepancy between his first and his second. I think Sony Michelle is the guy that I would take second. I was disappointed in Ronald Jones. What happened yeah. to your guy? That's your guy. No, he's from Texas, so he's not really your guy. But four six five. Ooh. Well, you know he did. Uh, he pulled up twice on that run, and it looked like he had a hamstring issue. So I give him. Uh, you know, I, I I give him a pass there. I still think that he hurt himself because, you know. Okay, you get these guys who have to be at peak physical condition to do every single thing. They stretch for an hour and a half, and then they still pull their hamstring. It's just a concern that, you know, some guys, you know, you're going to be, you know, have pulled muscles. You're going to have all kinds of issues when you're playing on Sundays, every single Sunday. And, uh, you know, if you can't run a 40-yard dash without getting hurt or pulling up or stuff, that is a little bit of a red flag to me. Uh, Geis, I thought, was solid. Balaj was fine, but um, 
he only did I think fifteen reps on the on the on the uh, bench press. So he looks like a powerful kid, but is he really a powerful kid? It's interesting to know. Um, yeah, I thought Ronald Jones kind of did hurt himself in in a running back group that is trying to figure out who's two, three, four, five. You know. Um, I think it's so, Geis or Michelle right now too. I don't know. Yeah. Because Geis Alvin, runs hard. Geis runs really hard. Like, yeah. you, you watch him on film, and that's a kid that just will not go down on first contact. And, you know, he did run a better time than I thought he would be, you know, running. So I would take him two, and then maybe Michelle three, or, or flip him, you know, because Michelle can catch the ball a little bit better. And uh, But I don't think any of them are first-rounders. I think it's going to be Barkley, and then that's it. So let's move on to Saturday. Uh, we're done with the running backs because that's not an exciting group either. Saturday, DJ Chark was the talk of, of, I think, the day. Calvin Ridley obviously didn't hurt himself at all. He's going to be the number one guy taken. There's no doubt about that. In fact, it was funny. They were talking about that he needs to slow himself down a little bit, and that was clear on one route. You know, he ran the route so fast that he actually fell, tripped over a block of air, and just fell and did a little forward somersault. Um, he does everything so fast, it's amazing. And in the gauntlet, his gauntlet was perfect. I mean, he was right on the line every step of the way, didn't drop a pass, so he was awesome. But DJ Chark, another example of an LSU quarter, uh, wide receiver who's got freaky skills that no one can get the ball to, former three-star. I don't know if you remember him at all, but 4-3-4 uh, dominated the vertical and, and a lot of other positions as well. Yeah, had an awesome forty-yard dash, and and looked like he ran it like a like a track star. Like he, you know, it, it was really clean and nice looking. Broad jumped well, big vertical jump. It's amazing that they couldn't use him in that offense more, and it's it's incredible that they didn't get him the ball more. Now there has been some questions about kind of when the ball is in the air, him seeing it and coming down with it, and but he looked phenomenal at the uh, at the combine. Again, a kid who can test well and look well, doesn't look, you know, tremendous, doesn't look like a first round player on tape, um, but he could definitely be moving up. And the other interesting one um, is Antonio Callaway had a good day, but you know, they're yeah, off, no off, touching him. I know that's the issue off the field problems, <laughs> oh all kinds God. of issues going on. So, uh, you know, that's a kid who might intrigue some teams taking a flyer later on, but, but definitely not. But Mike, one, there's going to be one wide receiver taken in the first round. Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Chark might've moved himself up into the first round. Wow. Uh, I, I really like DJ Moore and I agree with you on Chark. He, the, the ball hits his body every time he catches it. That's the yeah. problem, you know, or not every time, but a lot of times, you know, so he's, he's a, he's a drop machine waiting to happen. Uh, DJ Moore, I thought really helped himself quite a bit as well for Maryland. He's going to move up probably in that two, three range. I don't think Christian Kirk helped himself. He ran a four four seven, which is fine, but everything he did sort of spoke to the fact that he's not that big. Right. Um, you know, he really needed to bust out a four three eight or something like that. So, um, you know, and then you go down the list. The Forty times are going to kill a lot of people because um, it wasn't a fast group. I mean, Mike Kosecki at tight end ran a four five four, which was better than most of the wide receivers. I mean, it's the same as James Washington. I think dropped himself out of the first round. If if he was even in there, I don't think he was in there, honestly. And then Cortland Sutton's the other one who I think is pretty good. So, um, how did your sleeper Deshaun Hamilton do? Speaking of rival views, no one reads that stuff. Yeah, that's true. No one does read that stuff. Did he run? I can't even find him. I don't know. Let me look. 
I, I didn't hear anything good, super good or bad about him. So let me see Deshaun Hamilton. I do have to give credit to NFL.com because they do a phenomenal job of of putting all these times up. He did not run oh, or bench. Yeah. Which uh, uh, not going to be a sleeper. Braxton Berrios, one of our uh, fellow analysts, man crush. He didn't run either. I don't know if he's got an injury or whatever, but um, Woody Womack will be very upset with that. But they, they could be waiting for their pro day. I mean, Alabama's pro day is, what, Wednesday? Yeah. Um, and by the way, Roger Goodell this morning just ran the 40-yard dash on the fifth floor in the hallway in a suit and ran a 5 <laughs> so Orlando did, uh, Brown, you just should drop out of the draft. <laughs> and, and not only did he run really slowly, and I don't mean to crush the kid, but just the way his body moved when he ran, it was like he had never run 40 yards in his life. And it's surprising because Oklahoma's offense runs so fast, he has to run up and down the field. Crush him. Just crush him like a bug. <laughs> I mean, he, he lost his dad. You, you know, why don't you just pile on a little bit more? Make the kid feel bad about himself. You don't care. <laughs> I'm sure he feels pretty bad after that performance. I'm, I'm of course, fine. There, there is the, the infamous story at the Army Combine where I'm interviewing 150 kids, and I don't know who's who. And they're I all didn't know if you wanted to bring this up or not. <laughs> well, I, you got to bring it up. I mean, I might as well bring it up. So, um, you know, I, listen, when you're interviewing so many kids, and it's a long day. I mean, that combine registration day when we used to do it at Army was yeah. just probably the worst day ever. And uh, it was like 10 hours of interviewing kids over and over again. So poor Orlando Brown comes in. And I knew him from the VTO camp we had done in Atlanta and all this other stuff. But, you know, I know his dad was Zeus Brown, who was an offensive lineman in the NFL for many years. And uh, I didn't know he passed, which was very, very bad. Um <laughs> So I asked him how his dad was doing, and he said, he did. And I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do? Like I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, so what school is he looking at? And I just sort of segued right in there. But um, who was the dude, the Wisconsin running back? Um, oh, I can't remember his name. He was very he – was, he was Clay? Was there a Wisconsin running back? Charles Clay? No. Running back named Clay. John Clay? Nah. It might have been John Clay. I don't know. Anyways, there was this running back who ended up going to Wisconsin, from Wisconsin. Yeah, I think I think it might have been him. And uh, he was at the Nike camp, and he had this huge tattoo of a woman's face on his, sh- like, shoulder. You know, and, and I went up to him, and I go, I go, uh, who's that? He goes, that's my mom. And I said, oh, you know, and this was like a memorial tattoo. It didn't have dates underneath or anything like that. But um, yeah. it, it was pretty clear that this person had passed to me. Anyway, I said, oh, when did she die? She didn't die. She over there. And he pointed at her. And she waved to me, and I'm like, oh, my God. Stop asking stupid questions. So that's By the way, my Orlando Brown story. Breaking news, Denzel Ward runs 4-3-2 at the Combine. So did Dante Jackson. Oh, did he? It's not breaking, not breaking news then? No, no. Well, you're West Coast, so, I mean, you haven't been, you haven't been up watching the Combine since 9 a.m. East Coast. Like, <laughs> I have, like, a complete loser. But, um, and so did Perry Nickerson. 
<laughs> yeah, I think he's from Tulane or something. I, I, I didn't, don't really know a lot about him. But, yeah, three guys are in 4-3-2. There's a lot of sub-4-4s four in this uh, defensive back group. It's actually turning out to be a very good defensive back group. So, um, But they're not done, obviously. They, they run till I think, 2 o'clock today. Not run, but they do drills till 2 o'clock today. So we can't really talk about them. We can talk about the tight ends before we talk about the quarterbacks real quick. And Gusecki really helped himself yeah. quite a bit. It wasn't as athletic a group as um, – as it was the year before. Uh, but I think there's a couple guys, Andrews and Gusecki, to me, sort of Mark Andrews from Oklahoma, stood out more than anybody else. Um, yeah, I think Hayden Hurst um, is in that top group probably, but the issue is he's going to be a 20, I believe, 26-year-old rookie. Um, so that will be concerning to teams, I think. And if Gusecki and Andrews looked really good, I think you know Hurst slides a little bit in favor of them. Uh, I've always loved Gasecki and everyone knows who listens to this podcast all 10 of you um that uh you know Gasecki in the Penn State offense was phenomenal. If it wasn't going to Barkley, it was going to Gasecki. Super athletic kid and and really good hands. Um can't block though. He can't block. He can't he can't block and that you know and Mark Andrews was isn't much of a blocker either, so it's no. kind of depending on which one you want to go with there and you know, I'll take a Big Ten tight end over a Big 12 one any day. Yeah, that's why, um, well, geez, look at you just absolutely spitting on that Big 12. I would take Andrews, honestly. Gusecki's a better athlete. He had a great broad, great vertical, ran a 4.54. Andrews didn't run. You know, originally they, they popped him off at a 4.57, and then they corrected it to a 4.67 or something like that. Or, hmm. uh, But he's a big, big target. He's a little bit bigger than Gusecki. Uh, I like Andrews. I think Gusecki will probably go higher. One of these guys will go late first round. His tight end is so important. Um, but, yeah, the guys like Hayden Hurst, um, you know, who can block. The guy, the sleeper for me is Dalton Schultz. Um, hmm. he, ran, he ran a 4.75, which isn't great. But he's an inline blocker. Uh, he catches everything. I thought his gauntlet was very good. Um, I like his, uh, his size and the fact that he can, you know, get downfield a little bit but also block. And Stanford tight ends usually pan out. So it's a really ugly group, though. I mean, listen to these names. I mean, the, the kid that really surprised me was Jordan Thomas. He's a monster. The kid from yeah. Mississippi State, and his goal yeah. was excellent. His hands are 11 inches. Um, someone could get a steal for him. The problem is it looks like he doesn't really care. So yeah. I'm not sure how much he loves football. But but then you got the guys like um, – Disley from Washington is just a blocker. Izzo from Florida State is just a blocker. Smythe from Notre Dame is just a blocker. It's just not a great group, so we don't have to spend too much time on them. We can move to the quarterbacks. I thought everybody threw well. Um, everybody? Well, except top, Lamar top Jackson. Guys? I mean, Lamar Jackson didn't throw well. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, Darnold didn't throw. Did I you think maybe, Rosen threw well? He, not for him, but I thought he did well enough. Yeah, you know, I mean, we we expect more of Josh Rosen because we've seen him, you know, obviously from the high school days and how fluid he is and how his footwork is and all that stuff. I thought he threw well enough. I mean, I don't think he had a bad day. I think Lamar Jackson had a bad day. I thought Mayfield had a good day. I thought Rosen had a good day. I thought Josh Allen had the best day of anybody. But again, he really looks great when there's nobody defending, and that's right. a big problem. I mean. He throws these routes on air, and if the ball goes 80 yards, and it comes out so fast. He's got Dan Marino's release, which is so quick, and he's got an arm like you know Jamarcus Russell. So you, you assume, 
I'm I'm starting to buy in on him a little bit more as a first rounder, not first overall pick, not top ten, but as a guy that's certainly in the fifteen to twenty five range that I would take. So I think the way you have to look at Josh Allen is if you're going to take him early, you have to you have to be able to convince yourself that his wide receivers were so bad and he was so good that he was just playing at a different level. And that's why his accuracy was so off. Um, he only completed something in the 50%, 56% range or something yep. like that. And yep. uh, that's going to be an issue. So was it that the teams he was playing against when he, when he looked terrible – they were good, and his team was so bad. Um, if you know, it's the argument that I made that for people that wanted to take Darnold over Rosen, if if Rosen played at USC with the receivers that Darnold was throwing to, uh, he would have looked ten times better, and that there would have been no conversation. So, was it a similar thing that that Allen at Wyoming was so good, and it, and everyone around him was so bad uh, because it was Wyoming football? That uh, that he that he couldn't look good because he was just so far ahead of everyone else. I'm still not convinced. There are guys who who at camps I see it all the time. Guys at camps look really really good. You move them up the rankings. You get really excited about them and how good they are. Then you see them on Friday night in a game and they fold. Um, they're they're yeah. just those guys. I don't know if Josh Allen is that guy. I have no idea. But he looks I, awesome I in a combine setting. But he, I can uh, see why it, someone would take him, though. You know, yeah. I, oh, absolutely. I can, I can now. You know, I mean, obviously, watching him against FBS teams, which I did, I think three games, he was awful. Um, you know, his decision making was poor. Uh, even before the whole receiver thing this last year, I mean, two years ago he was awful. Um, so I, I don't really know. You know, it's one of those things. You know, we we do it the same thing in high school. Do you trust the camp or do you trust the film or do you combine them? So yeah. his, his film against FBS players, uh, caliber players is not good. His camp stuff is very, very good. Um, and he looked impressive. So I could see if I'm an NFL guy, how I might want to take him. I could see how some NFL guys are saying, Hey, this is the next Ben Roethlisberger. Boom. Yeah. Right here. Uh, and I could see how other guys are saying, Hey, this is the next Ryan Mallett or, you know, whatever. Um, so he's, he's an interesting one, but he certainly helped himself. I don't oh, think yeah. anybody hurt himself except Lamar, Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson fell out. And then did you see the the whiteboard chalk talk with Mariucci and Mason Rudolph? I didn't. I was, I, was stand, I was at a combine of my own, Mike. It was the Rivals Combine Series or whatever we call it. <laughs> or whatever we call it. Did you? Yeah. Uh, well, anyways... It was replayed a billion times, and it was very, very impressive. Mooch was going over a play that he had when he was with the 49ers, you know, with Terrell Owens and, uh, and Jerry Rice and blah, blah, blah. And he told him the play, showed him the play on the whiteboard. Then they talked about some other stuff for about five minutes. And then he flipped the whiteboard over, and he goes, all right, give me the play. And he made him name the play. Cause hmm. he named, the play had four different names to it, and he had to go through everything – you know, exactly what T.O. was doing, exactly what the tight end was doing, exactly what the two options that Jerry Rice had, which were, you know, in front of the safety, if it's if it's uh, too high safety or, you know, it was pretty amazing. And he regurgitated it exactly. And hmm. I think, you know, most of these guys can do that. And to me, that is absolutely amazing. And they cut to uh, 
Demarcus Ware, who I like a lot, not as an announcer. I like him because he played for the Cowboys, and I'm a Cowboy fan. Uh, and and Terrell Davis, and they were just both shaking their head like that's the quarterback that I want. That's the type of quarterback that I want who could just regurgitate that information that you just learned two seconds earlier. Uh, and the reason I mentioned Demarcus Ware is that he talked about the quarterbacks and how much he loved Josh Rosen, and that that was his guy at the Senior Bowl. Which was like, oops. Um, he, he started arguing with the girl that he was at the Senior Bowl, and the girl was like, the host of the show was like, uh, no, he wasn't at the Senior Bowl. He came out early. He's like, no, 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 he was my guy at the Senior Bowl. I loved him, the Senior Bowl. And she finally had to just sort of say, uh, no, he wasn't okay. at the Senior Bowl. Marcus. Yeah. It was very, very embarrassing. I think he's new to the NFL Network. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think he's going to last that long, but... um. But he loves Rosen based on his senior bowl. Uh, Rudolph's an interesting one, though, Mike, because I, I watched a lot of Oklahoma State games this past year. Um, I'd say maybe almost all of them. And uh, at times he looks awesome, and at times it looks like he has a noodle arm. Um, and so he had a ton of, you know, he put up big numbers because he had James Washington and Marcel Aitman and the Stoner Kid and 50 wide receivers on that team. Uh, the, the kid that transferred from LSU, Travis Rudolph. Uh, not Travis not Rudolph. Travis Rudolph. Uh, well, what's his name? How do we forget uh, these? A five-star kid. Yeah, yeah uh, Johnson. Tyron Johnson. And he went to two of our camps. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember and, anything. And, uh, and, and, and he looked awesome at times, and then at times it looked like uh, he couldn't throw the ball all that well. So, you know, I, I, I like the chalk talk stuff as much as anybody. I think it's interesting. Um, but I don't think he he cracks that top five or six quarterback list. I think Dave Barry's being attacked by a, <laughs> a rabid a dog, wolf, a wolf or something. But does this I, I bring? Does it? I think he's. I think he's fifth. I think he moved ahead of Lamar Jackson. So who's your five? Does does I was just going to ask. Does this bring up the conversation again that Lamar Jackson will not be a quarterback in the NFL? No, I think he'll be a quarterback. He's just not a first round quarterback. He's just it's not okay a first round. It's okay to be a second or third or fourth round quarterback. Yeah, most of those guys are the ones who who are starters in the NFL now. Yeah, no, he's a quarterback. I, I don't think he can play another position. I don't think he, there's nothing that's shown a skill set. You know, he's evasive, yeah, with the football in his hands, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a catch-and-run wide receiver. He could get killed. Right. So, you know, I think he'll be a second-rounder, but he was not good. He was erratic. He threw the ball all over the place. It wasn't as bad as uh, – Kaiser last year, but it wasn't pretty. <laughs> Kaiser was just horrible, and the fact that he got drafted in the second round is a miracle, and the fact that the Browns started him this year was just the biggest joke ever. So let's were move you, on to Sunday. What's that? Were you taken aback by make Baker Mayfield's brash comments about he's the one that can fix the Cleveland Browns organization? Do you like that, or do you go, whoa, this is going no, to be I a like problem? It. I like it because, listen, if you, if you get picked by the Browns and you suck, then you gotta live with that comment for the rest of your life, and that'll that'll teach you to shut you, shut your mouth. Um, and if you do it, you're a hero in Cleveland. So be as brash as you want to, but never ever ever beg to be picked by the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, don't, because he might. Now, like I said, they could take Barkley one and, and Mayfield four. Um, you know, and then he's the future there, and he's screwed if he is, because every Browns quarterback stinks. So. I don't know. So let's get to the edge guys, defensive tackles, linebackers, and we can't really talk about today's guys other than the 40s we mentioned because they're still going on as we speak here. But Marcus Davenport is awesome. 
Yeah. That's all I have to say. That dude is freaking freaky. He doesn't know what he's doing yet, but my goodness. Um, his testing numbers, his length, just out of this world. 4.58 he ran. He's 6'6", 264. So that's like, his numbers were similar to Clowney's numbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's moving closer to, you know, Bradley Chubb when it comes to being taken off the board. Chubb's probably going to go three to the Colts, but I think Davenport could go as high as top seven, top eight, uh, maybe even higher than that. He's, he's a freaky dude. And Chubb didn't hurt himself at all with a 4.65 and, and all his other testing numbers. Yeah, I thought Chubb had a better day. Yeah, Davenport six six two sixty four. That that's amazing that he can move like that and look so good. And it'll be interesting. He'll be climbing up the boards. But Chubb is the man. Uh, I I I've loved Bradley Chubb for a long time. Other than what the stuff he was pulling against Clemson, taking the towel and all that stuff. But he he uh, he measured in six four two sixty nine, and and put up interesting. You know, really solid numbers. Vertical thirty six. He was awesome too. So. Uh, he, he's like the top five pick. That, it just seems to me like no one's talking about him, and he's going to be a top five pick. Everyone's talking about quarterback and Barkley and everything else. And Bradley Chubb, I think he's going to probably end up going to the Colts and being phenomenal there. I just, I, I loved him at NC State. I thought he was Derek Barnett when he was at Tennessee, <clears throat> and Derek Barnett was pretty good for the Eagles. So, um, you know, I, I love Chubb, and, and Davenport definitely helped himself. Because he was up and down at the Senior Bowl, and he kind of bounced back at the Combine. And, you know, nobody's talking about him because I think everybody knows where he's going to go and when he's going to go. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. really not a lot of, you know, you don't know what the Giants are going to do. You don't know what the Browns are going to do. You kind of know what the Colts are going to do because they need an edge rusher. Now, it would be a surprise if they took Davenport over. I think Davenport's ceiling is higher. But I also think there's a lot more question marks about Davenport, whether he's going to be a great player, and there really aren't any about Chubb. So... Chubb is the safer pick there. And I'm going to tell you, this is weird. So I was watching the defensive linemen, and I saw Andrew Brown and Deshaun Hand, two former five stars that were in the same class. I think it was 2014. And From the same region, Mike's region, the Mid-Atlantic. Same region. Both of them had very poor careers when it comes to five-star prospects. They were at our VTO camp when they were freshmen. They went to every camp we had, five-star challenges, all this other stuff. Uh, both of them played in the Under Armour game. You know, Hand obviously had a better uh, overall high school career because Brown had a really bad Under Armour week and got exposed. But both have also been talked about having been played out of position. Yes. Um, a lot of people think that Hand, you know, should have been made into an outside pass rusher. Yes. He was forced inside now his body type tells you he has to play inside but i think he could be a five technique um defensive end in a three four set in the nfl and brown just never really got a chance uh, he had to play over the on a zero technique at times and just never got to play that pure four three three tech that he should i think both of these guys are going to be very good pros and I think it could be that I'm crazy I think it could be sentimental uh, talk that they used to be five stars but hand ran a four eight three at his size which is very impressive um, four eight three he's six foot four he's 297 pounds so a four eight three at almost 300 pounds 
He had 28 bench reps, which is very impressive. His vertical was 32, his broad was 111, three cone was 798. Really, really put up very good numbers. Brown didn't put up as good of numbers, but he's 296. He ran a 503, 31 bench reps, which is very good. His vertical was 28, which isn't bad. 751 three cone, which was good. Very violent hands, as we remember, uh, and, and showed that in drills. I think these guys are going to be mid picks, mid-round picks, but I'm going to write about it in my amazing award-winning three-point stance. I think they're both going to be very good NFL players. Now let me ask you this, and this is no rip on Alabama because they produce NFL players all the time and know how to do it, but if Deshaun Hand went to Michigan, do you think he would be a first-round pick? We're talking about him in the same kind of breath as we were Miles Garrett. It just seemed like when he went to Alabama, he just never got in the rhythm there and it just never never happened for him. And I agree. I don't think I don't think he's a defensive tackle. He's so athletic. Now now he's almost three hundred pounds. He's forced into that position almost. Um, I always thought he was a guy that was an edge rusher or a stand up guy um, who could. He was a great kid, uh, very athletic and tough and strong and all those things. But it just never seemed to to click for him at Alabama. And it looked like he was the type of kid that it would exactly click for. I think his downfall, honestly, was engineering. I mean, yeah. he was a smart kid. He wanted to be an engineer. He chose Alabama for the engineering program. He juggled football and engineering, and if you know anybody who's tried to do that, it's really, really difficult to do. Like, It's almost like trying to be uh, go to medical school and, and be a football player. It just... It's hard to focus on both of them, and I think that was the downfall. So I think he would have gone to Michigan and focused on engineering as well. They had some great players there, Taco Charlton, Chris Wormley. Um, it's not like he would have been an instant starter there either. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he would have had a better career at Michigan um, because there was obviously less guys in his way. But I don't know. I, you know, you'd think the number one player in the country would go wherever and impact. But um, I think he just got caught up in the numbers <clears throat> and the focus off the field and engineering really kind of did him in. So we'll see. Maybe he doesn't love football. I don't know. Um, you know, he had a good combine. Someone will take him. He could go as high as the third round. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if someone took him in the third round and said, I'm going to take a shot on this kid. Andrew Brown's a little bit different story. He'll probably go later. But I watched both of those guys, and, man, I mean, they both are very impressive physical kids. So I just, maybe I'm holding on to the last hope that we didn't bust out on those, especially since those <laughs> were my rankings and that was my region. But they did well. Um, you know, I was expecting not to be impressed, and I was very impressed with both of them. So we'll see. Um, I think that wraps up. You know, Jerome Payne did what he's supposed to do. He's going to be awesome. Vita uh, Vea. Vita Vea, 41 reps, but then he pulled a hamstring. He did the whole West Coast thing. Pulled a hamstring and missed most of his <laughs> workout. That's that's such a West Coast move. It's just ridiculous. But whatever. But he, 41 reps, ran a 5-1 or something in that range at 360 pounds or whatever he is. I know. You want to talk about a big freak. He's going to be the number one defensive tackle. 6'4", 347, huge hair. Uh, 41 bench reps, 5.1 40-yard dash. Didn't do any other testing and barely did any on-field stuff, but he'll be the first one. Deron Payne will be number two, very, very close behind him. 
and I think it, it, that's about accurate. I would take Payne first, but I'm not going to nitpick. I, I think they'll go within five picks of each other. Speaking of overrated East Coast defensive tackles who we thought were tough but really weren't, and it was all hyped by Mike Farrell, uh, Hand, Andrew Brown, Tim Settle didn't have a good day, Derek Naughty didn't have a good day. All right, now Tim Settle I never liked. He was not, <laughs> I'm telling you, he was not highly ranked. I mean, okay, I'm going to put a, pull up Tim Settle. Rogers. Yeah, where is he? Okay. And again, by the time Tim Settle came in, to class of 2015, Friedman had taken over the ranks. <laughs> with, with your counsel. With my counsel, teaching him the ways. He was 174 nationally, so that's not that's not crazy. But I didn't like him because he was kind of chubby. The best thing he did was scream, put him in a coffin when uh, Byron Clark killed him. <laughs> that was awesome. So and for people do, that uh, don't know that story. Who was the other one you were Derek Nottie. Derek Nottie. Well, he's a little undersized. I mean, that's the problem. What did Nottie did? I didn't even see. Did he run? Uh, let me look. I don't even see Derek Nottie. N N A D I. No, I know how to spell it. Oh man, you're <laughs> five three eight. That's he's the worst, <laughs> worst of the forties. Twenty five bench reps, twenty seven inch vertical, ninety six broad, which is horrible. Eight one five three cone, which is awful. He's a pure effort guy. He's just a motor guy. He's not going to test well. He's six one. He's sawed off. He's three seventeen. Uh, he, he'll be a late round pick. He was ranked pretty highly though. Oh yeah. I'll give you that. But you saw him at every freaking event we had. He was awesome. So what you, you, you know, he wasn't he actually wasn't ranked that high. He was ranked uh He was only a five nine four star. That's still in the one what was he one twenty something? He was eighty one, which would That's pretty pretty much calculate him as a third round pick yeah and that's a 2014 so that's on me yeah sawed off kid all motor all energy tested horribly so whatever listen <laughs> virginia was a rough one for me Derek green was a five star he's <laughs> bagging groceries someplace i mean you know but but jonathan allen i got him right i'm not i thought that was a friedman one I'm not. No, uh, <laughs> no, no, Jonathan Allen was on me. never laid eyes on Jonathan Allen. I think was a 2013 kid. So shut your mouth. I'm not sold on Andrew Brown because all I, I can never get out of my mind at the one camp, and I don't even know where it was. I think it was a five star challenge. He just had no feet. Like he always fell down. People were hardly touching him. It was and he the would turf. Just, and he would. And the same thing happened in college, though. Uh, he should have dominated at Virginia. The, the cleats. He got bad cleats. He was handed free bad cleats. And uh, oh, he had bad turf, bad turf to deal with. It was awful. That oh, was uh, in Chicago. That was at a uh, uh, Soldier Field. Soldier Field, yeah, bad turf. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think what it was, was grass. It? So the story of the linebackers obviously is Shaquem Griffin. Now yeah. I am going to say this, and people are going to get upset at me. Oh boy! But people get upset at me all the time. I would not draft him. And is it, let me ask you, is it solely because of the disability? Yes, it is. <laughs> and it's not that I'm a horrible, heartless person, but I'm an NFL executive. I need to make sure that every one of my picks 
is going to pan out. And there's been no precedent for a one-handed football player. You could say Jason Pierre-Paul after he blew off most of his fingers, but I, just, I, I, I wouldn't draft him. It is he an interesting. Amazing. Yeah. Four three eight. Four yeah. three eight. Freaky. He did twenty bench reps with the prosthetic. Great story. Great kid. Everything about him you want to root for. He's a winner. I wouldn't draft him. It is definitely an interesting topic, and I think before teams draft him, they will talk to a lot of doctors, and they'll make him go through a lot of tackling drills to see exactly how he does this because. Uh, tackling at UCF is one thing when you're bringing down guys from Memphis. Tackling guys from the Oakland Raiders is a completely different thing. And so um, I, don't, I, I haven't watched enough tape of UCF football uh, to see exactly how he actually physically tackles people um, because you need your hands. You need your hands as a linebacker. You need he them to wrap job. up and tackle. He and, does a very good job. I mean, the left hand is used as a club. So to yeah. speak. And you've seen guys with injured hands who have a, the, the big cast on there and they have to play with a club. Yeah. He uses his left hand as a club and he uses his right hand to, to wrap up. But the thing with it is, after his combine, they were talking about he moved himself up into the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. All right. Now, he had probably the best combine of anybody. But I'm saying, if I'm sitting there with a seventh round pick and I'm looking at linebackers, I'm not picking them. And. You can send all your hate tweets to me at Rivals Mike or whatever you want, but I'm just saying I, I just I just wouldn't do it. And honestly, and I think we have a, a pretty decent understanding of how NFL executives work. No one will ever publicly say that, but you might see teams. You know, he might he might fall. You know, out of projections for that very reason. They're not going to say that they're not going to take him, but they just choose to take someone else. Nope. But I have the guts. To say that I wouldn't take him. What about uh, um, some other guys, Mike? Down. Arden Key, were you sold on? Nope. Should have ran, too. Didn't run. I know. He put, out a, he put out a tweet, and there are obviously questions about him. He had to take time away for personal reasons. He's had uh, he's had um, surgeries, all I kinds mean, I of issues. I mean, I drafted him, but I, he's not a first-rounder, if that's the question. Uh, yeah, and he said that the co- he doesn't have to go to the combine. The combine has to come to him or something like that, <laughs> which <Duh>. fuels <laughs> fuels uh, fuels questions um, about him. So uh, you know that's a but that's the a guy, guy I would take first is is without a doubt Tremaine Edmonds, nineteen years. Oh, old. absolutely! Freak oh my of God! Nature, Freak yes, of nature. yes. That's a kid that I could see sliding up into the top five, top ten. I mean. Just so freaky. Now, I've seen projections as high as number nine, I think, to Sam Fran or something. Uh, I could see him going five, six, seven, something like that. Yeah, and I think so that... so freaky. Yeah, awesome numbers, big, you know, big-time player at Virginia Tech, obviously coached well uh, by Bud Foster. So, you know, I, that is a kid who I would absolutely take a very, very hard look at. Six five two fifty three four five four, hundred and seventeen inch broad jump, nineteen bench reps, great field work. I think he passed Roquan Smith as the number one linebacker. Roquan ran better four five one, but 
when you look at the measurables, 6'1", 236, and Roquan didn't do anything else and also wasn't able to work out <clears throat> fully, I think you take Edwin Edmonds because of his age and because of his upside. He's just starting to scratch the surface of his potential. And then after that, it's just not a great linebacking group overall. Um, that, you get some are, questions. Are you, what do you think of the uh, Boise State kid, that Leighton Van I liked him. kid? Yeah. I liked him a lot. I mean, you know, they compared him to Brian Erlacher. That's a little ridiculous. But yeah, calm down. 6'4", 256, ran a 4'5", I mean, 4'6", 5". His broad was 124. His vertical was 40 inches. I mean, the kid's a freak. Yeah. I like him a lot. I think he landed himself in the first round as well. I think you'll see probably um, Edmonds go first, then Roquan, and then uh, and then uh, Vanderet. It, that'll be a, that'll be an interesting debate to see if Roquan, because obviously Edmonds has the better numbers and looks more like the NFL linebacker and is younger and all those kinds of things. But Roquan was so incredibly, <coughs> excuse me, geez, uh, was so incredibly productive at Georgia and put up such awesome numbers every year. That's going to be tough. Not that's, it's going to be tough to pass on him, you know. And I think a couple edge guys did really well. Josh Sweat had a very good combine. Yeah. Um, he was, I mean, 6'4", 251, 4'5", 40-inch vertical, 124-inch broad. His 20-yard shuttle was 4'28". He put up some numbers. He didn't have a great career at Florida State, but remember in his high school senior year he had that injury where we didn't know if he was ever going to play football again. So right, right. He's a really good story. And then my boy Harold Landry put up numbers. I was going to bring, bring him up. Yeah, I four, was going to bring him four, up. 36 inch vert, look good in drills, 419 shuttle. I'm not sold on him because he didn't have a great uh, uh, senior year. Um, you know, he, he sat a lot. There were some durability questions. He got injured. His junior year was amazing where he led the nation in sacks. I'm not sold on him as a first rounder, but I think he put up first round numbers, and I think someone's going to take him in the first round. So. Keep an eye out for him. And then the D-backs, obviously, today, we got Dante Jackson, Perry Nickerson, Denzel Ward, all ran 4-3-2s. Tony Brown, who can't cover anybody, ran a 4-3-5 out of Alabama. These are unofficial times. Anthony Averett ran a 4-3-6. Jair Alexander ran a 4-3-8. He's another guy who's just injury-prone, so I, I worry about him. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm looking for... For some names like Josh Jackson ran a 4.49, which isn't great, but not bad for him. Uh, Holton Hill ran a 4.5. He's got some off-field issues. Isaiah Oliver ran a 4.51. He's probably a first-rounder. Carlton Davis, 4.53. Mike Hughes, 4.53. Um, no no bad times here. I mean, everybody really ran well. Tavares McFadden did not run well, but we knew that. He's 204 pounds, and uh, he ran a 4.67. So... Remember when he had nine picks and everybody projected him as a first-rounder? That's not happening. No, no, I don't think that's happening. What do you think happened to Dave Barry? Um, if you check your text messages, I think you'll find out. There's been yeah. some inter-office communication. He didn't text me. Oh. He doesn't like me. <laughs> oh, I, I, I used the wrong one. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> what, what happened, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk off the air. No, I want to know. Yeah, I had Still I had it. to take care take care of a, a home issue. <laughs> well, is it a home issue or is it a rivals issue? No, just a home issue. Oh, all right. But we're we're good now. We're would good. you would you draft Shaquem Griffin? 
Uh, yeah, I would. I, you know, I think <laughs> I, I did hear everything you guys said. Um, and, you know, he, the guy's a gamer. You got to give him a chance, Mike. I don't know. Don't, don't, don't about, hate on... Don't, you're talking about millions of dollars Don't hate on disabled here, people. Or hundreds no, of I know. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm right there with you, but I just didn't want to say it publicly. I know you didn't. <laughs> Gordy, you never answered. Would you draft him? <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah, I would. Um, I, if he can tackle just as well as anyone else, I don't think it's an issue. And, what about ball uh, skills? He'll he'll get a chance. He'll, you know, if, if he doesn't get drafted, oh he'll, no, he'll get he'll... drafted. There's no doubt he's getting drafted. I mean, I'm I'm in the minority here. He'll get drafted. He'll be a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round or whatever. There's no doubt he's going to get drafted. I'm just saying, I wouldn't do it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm the bad guy. No, it's it's not being the bad guy, and it's a fair question. It's just. Is he athlete? Is he ath- more athletic? And can he hit? And can he wrap up and tackle? He could do all those things. So I don't see it as being a problem. But I do, I do get your point, and I do think NFL executives will be like, "Good story, good combine story. I'll take Malik Jefferson." You know? Yeah, or you know, a lot of other guys. I mean, the linebacker yeah. group wasn't sexy, but there were a lot of guys that are in that fourth to seventh round range that did well. So. I don't know. It's just one of those things. All right. I think we could just talk about the combine today. I don't think there's anything else to talk about. It's starting to become commitment season, though. You saw a lot of commitments this week and this weekend because junior days and stuff like that. So we're going to be able to talk about a lot more than just the NFL combine coming up. Um, How was your weekend? How was your camp? It was so fun, Mike. It, uh, the combine was Saturday, and we got there at 8 a.m. It rained from about 9.30 till 11. Mm-hmm. So so then we stayed until about four. Uh, invited sixteen kids, I think, to the camp the next day. Oh camp was good. Gosh. It was sunny. It was very good and pleasant. And I like the structure of the camp. I I you know we did the cat and mouse drill and and the guys got after it. Uh, uh, it was it was very good. Uh, Justin Flo, baby man from Upland, California. Will be at the NFL Combine one day and will be a first-round draft pick. That's my prediction. He's phenomenal. Uh, everybody, everybody was talking about him yesterday, like they talked about Amon Ross St. Brown two years ago. They were just amazed at how dominant he was, and and everybody just is just captivated by how good he was. Chris Steele was very good. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was a no-show, which is uh, continues to be a concern. Um, but. Uh, you know, it was a, a good camp. I like the time of the camp. It starts promptly at 10 o'clock. It ends promptly at about 1.15 or so. Um, and so you're on the field, you're competing, and then you you get to go home. What what happened to Brew? I don't know. He he uh, His dad signed him up. He was all ready to go. Everything was fine. And then on, uh, on Sunday morning... Our camp uh, invite guy Brian Moore got an email saying that Brew wasn't showing up. I don't know if he I don't know if he was up in Northern California. I know Stanford had a junior day, and Cal had a junior day. Um, I don't know if he was doing that or or what. But to get to the five star challenge, you have to compete at a regional rivals camp. So, uh, well, get him to go to Northern California this weekend. I, I've put effort in, and uh, uh, I'm done putting effort in for that. And I'm sure all the seven-on-seven coaches were very, very happy with everything. Everything went well. The seven-on-seven coaches weren't the issue. Um, 
Armand Hawkins nope. was very he- Nobody was, cornered anybody and threatened to kill them like when I was out there and When Big Al them. tried to tried to take you down with his cronies. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've 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 uh developed those relationships and uh everything was good. There was a little disagreement about the defensive back MVP, um but uh everything worked out well. Uh, everyone seemed to be pretty happy. So your boss or didn't turn to you and point at you when the big people were like angry and say that's the guy you need to go beat up. Like what, that like is a great story that we should tell. Uh, a, a, a select group of people at the LA camp about five, maybe six years ago, uh, did not like who was who was named MVP and uh, a former executive at the company we worked for turned and pointed at Mike Farrell for them for his people to to have a discussion with and uh pretty much said that's the guy you want to go beat up. <laughs> Great. It was awesome. Luckily I could outrun all of those guys and which is sad because I can't outrun anybody but this was a this was a plotting large group of men coming at me very, very slowly, so I could handle myself. Had they been any sort of athletes, I would have been dead. Yeah, you would have been in trouble. So this is our combined version of, uh, of uh, Godfather and Gorney. I'm sure we'll get 20 people to listen to this and uh, move on to the next, next week. I guess awesome. we can kill it, Dave, if your home emergency all right. is all well. set. On that positive note, let's get out of here. Uh, let's remind everybody, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Gorney, at Rivals Mike, and at Real Dave Barry. We will see you guys again next week. <laughs>